fraternal greetings and a warm welcome to you. We're glad that you could join us on the Ashlers podcast, a space for the world's oldest fraternity to shine some light through Masonic paper readings, discussions, interviews, and more. Freemasonry is so old that our lifetime wouldn't be enough to capture its grandeur in the entirety. However, all things great should begin somewhere, and so we are thrilled to start off with season one, which will focus on Freemasonry and its roots in India, one state at a time. As a disclaimer, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely of the participants and do not represent any official positions including those of any grand lodge or constitutions thereof best efforts have been made to keep the conversation on the level for brethren and non masons alike Hello and welcome everyone to the 20th episode of The Ashlers, India's one and only Masonic based podcast by Masons for the world. Today we will be talking about the spread of Freemasonry in the great state of Karnataka. Now Karnataka has a very rich history which you know Rinesh will be talking about at length and it has a lot of lodges. Now there's something interesting as well the capital of karnataka which is bangalore will be covered in a separate episode now you might be wondering why that bias <laughs> well <laughs> for renesh and myself bangalore holds a special place in our masonic career because that is a city where we were both uh, you know we joined masonry in that city in bangalore and there's a whole lot of information just for bangalore alone so you know that we felt will sort of make sense to have a different episode altogether dedicated to this beautiful city so with that let's get started so now let's talk about the evolution or the etymology of the state's name karnataka karnata literally meaning black soiled country in the indian history The accepted derivative comes from the Kannada words karu and nadu meaning elevated land or from the Kannada words kal and nadu meaning rock country referring to the rocky terrain of the state one more derivative is karnad meaning land of black soil reference to the black cotton soil which is abundantly found in many parts of the state the british used the word carnatic which was used to name the music of this region that is carnatic music or karnataka sangeetam one small little tidbit the movie shole was actually shot in one of the place in karnataka and it has big rocks so anyone who's wondering mm-hmm. how the rocky thing comes in well watch that movie and you'll know why so up next is ranesh who will walk us through the history in brief ranesh over to you hey. thanks shishir for this uh, so the history of karnataka we thought of dividing it uh, between the prehistory the early history middle kingdoms and everything so talking about the prehistory and why are we talking about it because in the indus valley city of harappa archaeologists had actually found gold which were imported from the mines in karnataka now 
why are we talking about that you will come to know about some of the places where the lodges are actually found in karnataka the early history karnataka was actually part of the mauryan empire and the first mauryan empire chandragupta maurya died in shravan belagola in hasan district around 298 bce where he spent his last days of his life as a jain ascetic middle kingdoms badami chalukyas rashtrakutas western chalukyas western gangas hoysala empire and some other kingdoms too During the late medieval and early modern period we saw the rise of Vijayanagara empire Bahmani and Deccan sultanates the Marathas the Mughals Vadairs Tipu Sultan finally the company rule but after Tipu's fall part of the kingdom of Mysore was annexed and divided between the Madras presidency and the Nizam the remaining territory was actually transformed into a princely state and Krishnaraja III whose Vadair was installed on the throne Now till independence this princely state was managed by the Vadia dynasty and the same continues now in the form of a as a titular monarch the current custodian and head of the Vadia dynasty is Yaduvir Krishnadatta Chamraj Vadair the culture of Karnataka is also quite diverse the you know the diversity in linguistics religious ethnicities that are native to Karnataka have all combined like a melting pot with their long histories and contributed immensely to the varied cultural heritage of the state apart from kannadigas karnataka is home to tuluvas koduvas and konkanis and anyone who's been to any part of karnataka will probably hear this one you know typical thing which i've been told if you speak the kannada which is spoken in bangalore and you go <laughs> and converse with someone else anywhere else in karnataka they'll immediately know that you are definitely from bangalore i don't know how or why because my kannada is not yeah. that strong although i am able to converse but yeah there must be certain nuances to it so uh, yes, anish yes. what's the geography like <laughs> the, well the state actually has three principal geographical zones the coastal region of karavalli and tulunadu the hill uh, the hilly malenadu region comprising the western ghats the bayulu seema region comprising the plains of the deccan plateau now why are we talking about the geography is this was going to help us to understand the wildlife and tourism and all these things are going to help us in understanding how freemasonry came to this place let me delve a little on the wildlife and tourism and the reason why i am picking this up i will tell towards the end all right so karnataka has a rich diversity of flora and fauna 20% of the geographical area of the state is forest and these forests support 25% of elephant and 10% of the tiger population of india Karnataka is also the land of sandalwood trees that gave rise to the infamous bandit uh, called Veerappan. He is no more as of now, but he was a real terror in those parts. Karnataka also has the second highest number of nationally protected monuments in India, second only to Uttar Pradesh or UP. The Mysore Palace, Hampi, uh, Medikeri, Kodagu or Koorg. which is also sometimes referred to as the Scotland of India. Uh it also has two national parks, Nagarhole and Bandipur. And if you go through any of, you know either of these national parks, it's pretty, you know, almost side by side to each other. You would see a lot of bisons, uh, elephants, tigers, uh bears, deers, uh lots of, you know, uh birds. I've been through this forest once or twice while traveling towards, you know, uh towards Kerala, so it's a sight. the ecotourism part and the healthcare tourism is also quite popular 
uh, there are a lot of beaches because Karnataka is you know a coastal state so it has a long coastline and there are many religious places the Pomateshwara statue which is in Karnataka is the tallest monolithic statue in the world now that's something and it has a huge significance which Rinesh will delve on but before that before that as i mentioned there's quite a bit of wildlife in the state so if you're someone who's really into wildlife photography or videos then this is a state for you ranesh over to you yes uh, talking about gomateshwara he was also known as bahubali or rather the one with the stronger please don't confuse yourself from the movie bahubali which we obviously saw and kind of liked so this is a separate one and this actually is from the history books so bahubali is a much revered figure among jains he was a son of rishabnath who was the first tirthankar of jains and the youngest brother and the younger brother of bharat chakravarti now this bharat is the same person who gave the name to our country in sanskrit which is bharat or now we know them as india so obviously india actually has a sanskrit name which is literally bharat now he is said to have meditated motionless for a year in a standing posture and that during this time climbing plants which are creepers grew around his legs after his year of meditation bahubali is said to have attained omnisense now why exactly is this important now to go to that just a small deviation from this point now bahubali as i said was a son of rishabnath and rishabnath apparently had 100 sons so he distributed his kingdom when he decided to become a monk he distributed his kingdom among these 100 sons bharat or sorry bharata was gifted the kingdom of ayodhya which is at that in its entire time was called vinita and bahubali got the kingdom which was south of india which was actually at that time called asmaka now after uh, some discussions and everything bharat actually was able to get all his other brothers to hand over their territory to him it was only bahubali which was actually in the way of getting the entire country under bharat bahubali said you know what i don't care i am challenging you to fight and both brothers were ready to fight the ministers unlike the ministers of today's generation the ministers at least had some argument they said that why are you guys fighting listen you want to fight makes sense but why should people fight for you you know what you brothers are anyway powerful you settle your dispute with each other so they thought of three kind of contest and bahubali won all those three contest and well bharat had to hand over all his kingdom but at the end the last fight right when bahubali realized that he had actually won the contest he was filled with disgust you know why because he had learned from his father he had learned from the jain custom which was around him obviously uh, knowing that all these are materialistic things what are we going to take at the end nothing so what is the whole point of fighting for it and at that moment he just abandoned all his position including his kingdom clothes ornaments and he became a monk he handed over everything to his brother and went away but there was one thing which was stuck in his mind that feeling that his brother actually hates him why because he was obviously able to destroy him like literally in this three battles now bharat being bharat was also filled with humility he came in front of bahubali and worshiped him with veneration and respect that is the moment when bharat realized that sorry when bahubali realized that he had actually been able to destroy that whole thing which is there in his mind regarding animosity about somebody or somebody feeling wrong about him and that's when he actually attained liberation moksha and he became a pure liberated soul now that that actually i think is very interesting and shishir i think you can draw some parallels with this 
concept or these points with what we have been learning in freemasonry completely agree rinesh so uh, let me let me put it this way all right each of us is fighting a battle every single day every single hour every single second what that battle is is as unique and individual to the person dealing with that you me the people listening to us uh, you know everyone now those battles those you know those difficulties they can do two things to us they can either defeat us if we let them defeat us or they can help us raise ourselves because we will learn something out of it it all depends on our willingness our attitude to really look at certain things in different perspectives now in masonry my journey as a as an individual mason is different from that of renaissance and it's because not that we have different agendas which is nefarious or something but it's just that our you know our our way of looking at life is different same is the way with the teachings of masonry masonry says a hundred million things right but how do i take that to heart internalize it apply it into my life so that it affects not just me but you know my family my community in in a positive way so here you can clearly see that two brothers were fighting over something one of them saw the light one of them realized that what are we doing here and you know bahubali is the one who saw the light and realized that though we are both fighting over territory it's not really about territory it's about may- maybe our ego maybe our you know hunger for power or something and so bahubali walked away saying that you keep it i don't want it i'll i'll you know i'll just live life in some other way and yet their objectives were still the same to you know be someone greater than who they are themselves and you know what shishir he actually became like one of those uh, as i said revered figure among jains so much so that today there is a statue in in uh, shravan belugola in the hasan district of karnataka which mm-hmm. is the tallest or rather the largest free standing statues in the world amazing But i know it's a materialistic thing but come on i i somehow feel and i remember going over there when i saw that and i was like spellbound with it because that literally is the guy who actually shows us a very different path a path which we would not actually think of because power it just makes people crazy sometimes we exactly. we have seen our history and he i don't know like i i need to learn more about him about this yeah it would be interesting to know but you know it it also okay let me highlight one point here you know we are talking about two uh, you know historical figures here the universality of masonic teaching you know is so apparent even in this little story mm. it just goes to show that masonry is not teaching you something different you could find the same teachings in whatever you know religious book someone might be following so it doesn't tell you anything new or unique it just gives you a different way of applying it to yourself what do you think ranesh i absolutely agree and i also feel that in today's date right we have kind of forgotten those old customs or rather the old traditions as well as the old teachings and freemasonry has been a kind of a repository of these old teachings and ensures that they we we are getting to see that once again yes 
the cover of the book might be a bit different the pages might be different the words might be different but the underlying factor or rather the answer to those things are absolutely the same which a jain would have read in his book which a hindu would have read in his bhagavad gita which a christian would have read in the old or the new testament or a muslim would have read in his quran no matter which religion you look at no matter which old custom you look at you will find those parallels in freemasonry and that makes freemasonry a very interesting concept why because it is literally the best repository of all these things which have come together to ensure or to get, rather give a kind of a good way for people to live a better life very nicely put and um, on that note renesh so can jains join freemasons Yes, they can, and there are many of us. Uh, there are many Jains who actually are Freemasons and have joined the fraternity. Amazing. So, with that as a segue, uh, let's talk about Freemasonry in Karnataka. How did it spread? How did it come? So, Ranesh, over to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, Freemasonry came to the state thanks again to the British, as the current Karnataka state used to actually comprise of the Bombay Presidency, areas that came under the Nizam rule, the Madras Presidency, and finally the Mysore state. Now. let's just go back a little now when the british landed in the current mysore state they were ready to fight tipu sultan and when i'm talking about the british it was actually the east india company now tipu sultan was supported by the french freemasonry came along with the english rule or sorry with the company rule but freemasonry had already existed in the madras state which you would have obviously which most of our listeners would have already heard in our previous episode so somewhere in the yeah it's around 1730s right freemasonry was already there so many of these people who were living in these parts would have been traveling to the madras state or to the places where the masonic lodges were there and obviously worked over now these guys also moved at from different places now we also know that the locals didn't exactly join freemasonry initially because obviously it was always for the british or the french forces living in this country uh, a bit of a speculation here there have been some paper which i have read where it says that tipu sultan too joined freemasonry this was obviously the french freemasonry thanks to the french who were supporting him but as i said it's only speculation i haven't got any proof and it's not like a full proof kind of somebody saying that yes he joined on so and so date or something it was just a statement which i read in one of the paper but yeah so now what exactly does it show us yes tipu sultan obviously wanted the help from the french maybe the french were also uh, meeting at shriranga patna at the mysore state and they might have been doing some masonic lodge meeting and tipu sultan would have come to know about it and he thought maybe i'll just join these guys so that i can let get to learn more about them and take their help to remove the british out of the uh, to remove the company from here or something maybe i'm i'm not sure i was uh, i haven't read about much about it but it's a it's a very good uh, point from my side which i came to know about it so anyway uh, shishi do you want to add anything I think you're good, man. <laughs> so, going from here, let's talk about the lodges which are there in uh, the state of Karnataka. And as we said, we will skip Bangalore because obviously we want to give it a special place for it and a special episode for that. So, under the Grand Lodge of India, Bellary has a lodge of goodwill number no. five, which was back in 1837. It was in, it is in Cantonment area. Belgaum has Lodge Victoria number no. nine in Camp. Yes, we have. After that, we have. See, have lodges in Bangalore, but as I said, we will cover it later. KGF, the Kolar Gold Fields, has a lodge called Southern Cross Number no. Twenty Four, consecrated back in eighteen seventy five. Uh, I have visited this lodge. An amazing building, an amazing ancient one. I think it was made somewhere back in uh, that build. The, the current building is somewhere from nineteen zero eight or nineteen ten. Either I, I don't remember the exact date. Uh, 
when I saw the names and everything, I found out that many Scottish members were actually part of those lodges at the beginning. And that kind of ties up with what we have been hearing. We definitely had the British, the Scottish or the Irish forces roaming around in our country. But sometimes the post of an engineer or a doctor or some of these professions, right, were mostly held by Scottish. And again, they obviously wanted Freemasonry at the place where they were working. So they brought Freemasonry from their places and... I, I'm pretty sure that that is why one of the reasons why Southern Cross actually has a history of Scottish Freemasonry. Uh, but obviously, these lodges actually used to move between Scotland and England, and so it has a mix and match of everything. Uh, from there, we'll go to Mysore, Lodge Mysore number 34, which was consecrated in 1979, and uh, Lodge Jai Chamaraj number 308, uh, consecrated in uh, 1997. The current and the previous titular monarchs of uh, the Vadir family are members of the fraternity. Hubli. Lodge Hubli number 44 from 1886 and Leon Centenary number 274. Dharwad has a Lodge Dharwad number 54. Kurg has a Lodge Kurg number 55 uh, consecrated in 1895. The East India Company actually ruled Kurg from 1834 till they were dissolved in 1874, after which the British took over and ruled till independence. And I'm pretty sure, obviously, since uh, Shishir mentioned that Kurg was called as the Scotland of India, they obviously would have been moving away from uh, the arid regions of certain parts of Karnataka where they were stationed, and they would have been going to Kurg, want to just settle down and kind of have some fun or something. And they definitely thought of having a lodge there. Uh, from there, we'll go to Mangalore. Uh, Lodge Mangalore has uh, Lodge Mangalore number 156 made in 1963. Lodge uh, Prerna number 313, which was consecrated in 1998. And Lodge Krishna number 382 in 2013. We also have a lodge in Hospet, named as Lodge Vijayanagar. In Chikmagalur, called Lodge Malnad. In Gadag, Lodge Kritipura. In Kolar, we have two lodges. Lodge Silk City number 446 and Lodge Sir M. Vishweshraya number 450. Anyone and everyone who has heard of the name Vishweshwaraya knows about this guy. He was an Indian civil engineer, a statesman and a divan of Mysore or like the, the prime minister kind of a person. He was knighted by the British Indian Empire and also has got India's highest honour, the Bharat Ratna. His birthday, 15th of September, is celebrated by us as Engineers Day, not only in India, but in Sri Lanka and Tanzania as well. He was the chief engineer of the Krishna Raja Sagar Dam, which kind of gives us water in Bangalore and also served as one of the chief engineers with the flood protection system for the city of Hyderabad. This man was like the, the best kind of a civil engineer which of, during his era. And by the way, he lived for 101 years. And obviously, Kolar, when a lodge was actually thinking, was when some of the brethren thought about starting a lodge in Kolar, they obviously thought about him and kind of gave the name to that. It was more of a dedication. This does not mean Sir M. Vishweshraya was a mason. It was just more of as a respect. We also have a lodge in Chitradurga, Lodge Veera Madakari Nayaka, and obviously named after the last ruler of Chitradurga. We have a lodge in Mandya, Lodge C-SPAN, number 451. Even though I really need to understand why the name C-SPAN, and also, why in Kolar we have a lodge called Silk City, even though Ramnagar is actually well known for its sericulture. But something which uh, any one of our listeners who they have any idea, please do share with us. Uh, by the way, there are also lodges under UGLA and Grand Lodge of Scotland, but they are in Bangalore and we will cover them during our next episode. Now, talking about some lodges that don't exist now, we had a lodge in Belga, Lodge Unity, a Lodge of Unity, Peace and Concord back in 1808. We had two lodges in uh, Shairanga Patna, which is Mysore, Lodge of Fortitude and Perseverance in 1813 and Lodge of Perfect Harmony in uh, number 419. 
so i think uh, that kind of just showcase that how exactly these lodges were and wow well oh by the way a small correction i just remember lodge mysore number 34 which i said the consecration date was 1879 and not 1970 sorry about that well one thing seems pretty clear once you were you know uh, reading out the names of the lodges that the history and culture of karnataka has been preserved in the names of these lodges yes absolutely because look at this here uh, even in kurg right we have a lodge called lodge general ks timaya an amazing person who they again just wanted to like venerate him with this whole concept like let's have a lodge name so that we remember the things which he has done remember what his points are and everything saram vishweshraya you say lodge malnad it's again a place in chikmagalur and they wanted to imbibe those things and this is something which i always felt very interesting whenever i used to read the names of these lodges each lodge has a history and there has to be some concept or something going going in the minds of the brethren when they thought that let's have the name of a lodge as lodge of goodwill number no. 05 or lodge victoria number no. 9 why there might be some idea something and it will be so interesting to know about those things and i know you and me have a good amount of history about our own lodges in bangalore and which we will definitely share next time completely agree and for listeners who have been listening to our uh, our episodes so far I'm sure you are aware that this is pretty much towards the end of season one, you know, uh, where we are trying to cover the spread of Freemasonry in our country. But season two is just right around the corner, and you know that is the place where we would uh, explore different uh, topics about Masonry and whatnot. And Rinesh, I think it would be a good idea to even see if we can get some stories of some of the lodges in our country and see. what's behind the name yeah i think that will be very interesting and uh, it's it's a special call out to all those brethren who have been listening to us if you have any idea any news any stories about your lodge please do share it with us it is a great platform for us to share these stories with everybody around the world so that everybody gets to know about why exactly my lodge is named as united services or why shishir's lodge is called star of the south So that will be something which will be interesting for brethren or for any, as a matter of fact, any listeners to know. And by the way, all these things we do because we love the fraternity, we love Freemasonry, and we like to share it with the world on knowing why we do this. Perfect, perfectly put it, uh, Radesh. So, brethren, we are all ears, all our, um, you know, our what is our email, our uh, social media handles, everything is in the description. So please check that out. Write us a note, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, we would also be sharing in the WhatsApp group, so please reply to that. Uh, you know, give a direct message to us, and we would love to get in touch with you. So, on that note, um, where are we going next, Ranesh? Bangalore or Namma Bengaluru? Yeah, the city where we were introduced to and where we joined Freemasonry and started Freemason. our Masonic career. So, with yes. that. Um, I would love to say that everyone stay safe. Follow the advice of the experts. Support the government in what they are trying to do to keep us safe. It's easy to point fingers and difficult to you know deal with uncomfortable situations. The best we can do is to support one another as human beings and human beings alone. So with that, goodbye everyone. This is Shishir and this is Ranesh. Goodbye.
Well, that just about wraps it up, folks. We sincerely hope that you liked our episode and got a glimpse into the fascinating world of Freemasonry. And what better way than to hear about it from those who are the humble members of the Gentle Craft. If you have any queries about what we shared on this episode or generally on this podcast or even about Freemasonry, please check out the show notes for links to the Grand Lords of India's website or feel free to write us an email. Please do look forward to the next episode.